First and first mostly, Scott McCall is a fucking liar. He is a liar because he tells us in, like, the first episode that his mom does all the grocery shopping. And clearly that's not true! Because what is he doing at the beginning of this episode? He is grocery shopping. Also in a parking garage that has four levels, which I think is a lot. That's a lot for a- it's also just a lot for a grocery store. Yeah, I was thinking too hard about that. Yeah, I think even our target, I feel like, only has the one level. Anyway. This is not about, like, architecture or logistics of Beacon Hills. This is about the fact that Scott lied to us. Scott lied to us. And I feel offended. Apology not accepted. He probably sticks to a list that his mom makes him use, though. That's true. But he would be able to know where they're getting their juice, then, if he's going to the grocery yeah, also that whole exchange is weird because it implies he doesn't know where his mom grocery shops for like Everybody knows. He's like, where are you getting your juice? And he'd be like, Oh yeah, Kroger. I don't think Kroger exists in California. Probably not, though. It was just the first Ralph's. Ralph's. Yeah. Sure. A TJ's perhaps? Or Ralph's. Okay. What do you have against Trader Joe's? Nothing, but when I was little, like, we used to go to Ralph's because my grandmother lives in Santa Barbara, and they had these teensy-meensy little carts that you couldn't push if you're a child, and it's one of a very fond memory. Anyway, welcome to the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf podcast, a podcast where we discuss the merits of every grocery store and MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And today we are discussing episode six of season one, and it is called... Heart monitor. Heart monitor, that's right. Yeah. I had to look. <laughs> yes, it was directed by Toby Wilkins and written by Daniel Sinclair. Oh. Some, some characters we've met. We've, we've, we have heard of. Yeah. We are introduced. We know them. No, not personally, but... I mean, you know. speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, would you like to be the one to go first in our recap this week, or would you like me to do it? You can go. I, I went first in the Twilight we don't have to trade back and forth, I just, I just want you to... Alright, fine, I'll go first. Okay. Ready? And you have one minute on the clock starting now. Okay, so Derek attacks Scott in a parking garage as part of werewolf school and then tells him he has to stay away from Allison if he wants to be in control of his powers. Um, Scott does not do this, and it cuts to, like, a makeout scene with him and Allison, and then he hides in the closet, and Kate tells Allison about Le Bête de Gévedon. Then um, Scott leaves, and the alpha draws a spiral on his window, and Derek is waiting for him in his room when he gets home, and Scott tells Derek about the spiral. And then at school, Scott tells Siles that he's still mad at him, but he's going to help him control his powers because he doesn't want Derek to be the one to teach Scott... And then Allison tells Lydia about Libet, but then Lydia, like, kind of remembers, but also acts like a bitch about it. And then Styles tries to get Scott to regulate his heartbeat and then teaches him how when he realizes that it's Allison that keeps his, him calm. And Jackson is having all these crazy, weird werewolf hallucinations in the background and then is, like, weirdly flirty with Allison. And then um, Styles tells Scott that, like, she's his anchor. And then uh, Styles convinces some people to beat Scott up to see if Scott can keep his heart rate down. Then Derek visits Peter and yells at him. Scott and Styles make up in detention. Derek threatens Deaton, and then when Scott yells at him, the Alpha comes because Scott calls the Alpha. You ran over by a couple seconds. That's okay. I realized that I was just doing, like, details that were totally innocuous and, like, unimportant. Which is usually my job. Okay, fine. Then you I can do my job of I, doing pertinent plot information I this time. I wasn't calling you out. All right. I wasn't calling you out. I also just watched this episode and forgotten, like, 50 things that happened in it. So... So, are you ready? Yeah. Ready. Do you think you can do better? Kind of seems Probably like you not, think you can. But oh, okay. All right. A minute on the clock. Uno, dos, tres. Okay, so Scott's grocery shopping and then gets attacked by a mysterious uh, person in the parking garage, which turns out to be Derek. Derek's awfully mean and aggressive about it. Gives Scott some directives to stay away from Allison, which uh, doesn't work out, except that he tries to do it the next morning at school. Scott's... Styles is mad at Scott because of, you know, Scott's just terrible at being a friend, um, but decides to help him anyway. There's uh, lots of hitting of lacrosse uh, balls. Ooh, uh, Coach Finstock is really mean to Scott in class because he doesn't do the reading and it gets his heart rate up. And then um, lots of all of that stuff with Kate and the Beast of Chevadon. And uh, Allison actually checks out a book from her school library, which I find crazy. And um, Jackson. Is there more time? You have 10 seconds. So. Oh, oh, well, I'm wasting it. You didn't even it. get to the end of the episode, I so <laughs> you 
giving, are you forfeiting? No, oh, Derek gets impaled by the alpha. <laughs> okay, cool, that's la- that was the end of your time. Great. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to mention about the Argents. They're supposed to be, like, this family with, like, a lot of ties to their French roots. None of those people can speak any kind of French. They all sound ridiculous. Like, Crystal Reed's hard Michigan accent trying to say Le Petit Givedon is just... And Kate's even worse. Which I did not think was possible, but I will give Alison Prosper something Givedon correctly on the first try when she's Googling it, because literally in my notes I just write a G and then a scribble because I don't know how to spell it. Well, the thing about French is French is just, like, vowels... There's, like, a couple consonants, but then it's, like, eight vowels, and you're, like, which do I pronounce? And they're, like, actually none. And you're, like, got it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember from my brief stint of being a French minor in college. Do you think they had a dialogue coach on the show? Probably not. No. Not (laughs) clearly. Very clearly they did not. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so we, this episode, watched through, I just spoke like Yoda. (laughs) So this episode, we watched through the theme of anger, which is kind of the obvious choice because that's such a big part of, like, the character conversation within the episode, but it also kind of simmers in subtle ways elsewhere. Um, So what do you want to talk about first in regards to anger and this episode? Um, oh god. It's, what I find really interesting is that Scott is angry with himself about not having been able to protect people in the previous episode when the mountain lion has come around. Like, when he's having this conversation with Derek, he's like, I should have been able to be there and protect these people, and Sheriff Zielinski got hurt, and that's my fault. And he's really pissed off about it, which is a hard swerve from, I just want to have a normal life and not figure out my werewolf powers. Yeah. So... His frustration and anger at himself and at the situation is what drives him to try to get in control of his powers, but he's very bad at it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because I think he is now um, going through his sort of, like, superhero transformation. And we talked about this in the first episode, that, like, Scott's kind of first season is to, like, realize that it's on him to, like, be responsible for the powers he has and the people around him in, like, a sort of superhero fashion. And then this superhero mentioned in this episode is the Hulk. So you have, you know, it's basically like this is Scott realizing that he is now fighting with his ego and his id, which is the whole point of the Scott of, of the Scott of the Hulk, you know, where he realizes that there's a part of him that he can't control, but he still uses to use that part for good, which I think is really interesting mm-hmm. because I think when we talked about um, the last episode in the theme of denial, no last episode was horror Two episodes ago in the theme of denial, Scott didn't even want to think about the fact that he had this other part to him, and now he's owning up to it and, like, is trying to find synthesis between his werewolf self and his human self. Yeah, and I think the catalyst for that is is the fact that Sheriff Zielinski gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Because previously, I think Scott was seeing it as something that was hurting people he didn't know and then directly affecting him. And for him, that wasn't really worth exploring and trying to figure it out. Because Scott just wants to, like, make out with Allison. But now that it's actually affecting people he knows, mm-hmm. that's what's lighting a fire under that. What's interesting is that I think that while it probably would have been useful for Scott to wolf out and take down the mountain lion, how much worse would the chaos have been? And also, like, could he have really prevented any of, of what, you know, he sees as his fault in that part no, of the episode? He, he also saves Allison from being... That's not, true. Not, like, run over by a car, but being tapped by a car. Like, mm-hmm. he pushes her out of the way right before the whole kerfuffle mm-hmm. happens. So he couldn't really do more than what he did, but he, you know, obviously takes it as his own responsibility because yeah. it happened on his watch. I'm just a little bit peeved that, like, that is finally the thing that Scott owns up, like, responsibility for and not all the other stuff that he was, like, ignoring for three episodes straight. Like the mauled bus driver? Yeah. Yeah. Casual. Yeah, all that stuff, not his fault. But because he was there to witness the chaos of this one, he's all of a sudden, like, confronted with his own uselessness, basically. Yeah, and it's also, like, his uncle-slash-father figure that is the one that gets hurt. 
Scott's set. Oh, you're saying that yeah. yeah, the sheriff is effectively his uncle, yeah. Yeah, or like he's family. Yes, true. Um But yeah. also like how that car how does a car do that much damage at zero miles an hour? It's pulling out of a spot. Yeah, it was I don't know, maybe he just fell on it wrong. I Maybe, I don't know. I got hit by a car when I was eight and it was like going fast and nothing happened to me, so it was on Halloween. <laughs> It was on, okay, so you know Safety Patrol? Did you have Safety Patrol at your elementary school where, like, the fifth graders, like, yes. help the little kids cross the street? So I was a safety, so I was wearing the bright yellow badge that, like, oh, no. <laughs> makes it so you're visible to cars. And it was Halloween, and I was running across the street, so I was excited to go to my class party. And this lady in, like, this Yukon flies around the corner and, like, clipped my leg and, like, spun me up onto the sidewalk. And I was, like, pretty bruised, but not in a way that was, like damaging at all so i'm just sitting here like how did this grown ass man get that hurt from a tap of a car going out of a spot and i like survived <laughs> yeah my mom once ran over my foot <laughs> oh my when God. I was 14 i was fine like yeah. it did it did nothing to me so questions <laughs> we have team of logistic questions if you're a medical professional so who treats people um in car accidents let us know what you think yeah. Maybe we're invincible. <laughs> Are we werewolves? No. Maybe. Um, but Reese Styles' dad, I w- really want to talk about Styles in this episode because mm-hmm. his anger is like the most kind of pervasive and he fights against his own feelings towards Scott throughout the whole episode in efforts to help him because he obviously loves Scott, you know, and it's hard to stay angry at the people you love, but he is also, this takes, is way more personal for him because his dad is the one who was hurt and Mm -hmm. his dad, you know, is kind of all he has. And he basically tells Scott that I'm not talking to you. Like, it is the most honest form of interpersonal anger we see in this episode, I think. And it's so justified. Like, as I mentioned, like, as I mentioned earlier, Scott has spent the last two episodes ignoring Styles. So hard. Yeah. Like, where Styles has been the one to be occupying the space of, like, this is now something that is our responsibility. It's, like, very sweet that he thinks it's their together responsibility to start protecting people. And Scott, who actually has the powers to do it, is like, no. But Styles is like, get moving. We have to, like, do something because things are about to get really bad. I Styles says something where he, he tells Scott that your crap has invaded my life and therefore I have to help you. And it kind of reminds me of that saying where it's like two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Like, Styles has to be involved because he knows. Mm-hmm. And nobody else knows. Yeah. And he feels that, like, he can't just ignore what's happening to Scott because he loves Scott, but also he's been exposed to the supernatural now and he can't ignore yeah. what's going on around him. And I also think he a little bit feels betrayed by Scott, after, especially after he finds out that Scott has gone to Derek for help. Um, and I don't think, I think Styles knows that he can't actually be the one to help Scott through all of this, but after hearing that, he's like hurt in a way that instead of making, pushes him farther from Scott, he gets angry enough about it where he's like, no, I will show you how to do this. We will figure this out together. Like, you do not need to, be, like, turn your loyalties elsewhere. Yeah. Which is why he comes up with the plan with the heart monitor, which is just so good. It's this, so brilliant. For being so kind of dark, this episode is really funny. His facial expressions, when he, when Scott's sitting behind him and they're like in whatever class that they're in together, and you just see Scott talking to Styles, and all you can see is basically Styles' face. It is such good face acting from Dylan O'Brien. Like, it Dylan is... Dylan O'Brien is the Teen Wolf King. Fascinating to watch. But do you know, actually, what I wrote down is that he's got a lot of, like, Michael J. Fox vibes. Styles? Mm-hmm. Dylan O'Brien? Yeah. Like, in his mannerisms. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of, like, is those early kind of Michael J. Fox movies were so fun to watch because he was so, like, I guess the word would be manic. Yeah. Everything was heightened. He's and, very animated. Yeah, and that's how Styles is. Yeah. Um, which is a nice, if unintentional, homage. Yeah. Um, I think this ties in really nicely to the previous episode when um, the sheriff is talking to Coach Finstock about um, Styles' exam, where he like chronicles the history of the male circumcision, even though you know Finstock teaches economics. Like, I literally. There probably were so many other ways for 
Scott to have someone beat him up than keying someone's car. But that was like the first thing that Styles thought of. His brain just goes. He's an agent of chaos. Exactly. He is. He is chaotic good to the core. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes he's actually chaotic neutral. Like, generally, I think that Styles does things for good. But I don't like. They, he, he wavers. We have already figured out that there are other ways to get Scott's heart rate up and to like test mm-hmm. his abilities and whatever. He is so mad at Scott. He gets him almost curb stopped by like five dudes. Which yeah. Scott could obviously fight them off, but like that was Styles' intent. But also, Scott is remarkably unhurt by that situation. Like, well, he says, "You know, I'd heal." Yeah, but not even that he's healing, but even in in the fight. Which struck me as a really odd directorial choice, not as them not actually hitting him. Yeah. I was just kind of like, he should be, even a werewolf him should, you know, his nose should be broken and his Mm -hmm. lip should be bust and like whatever. Like when Sookie in True Blood gets attacked by two people, they kick her to death, essentially. And these guys, (laughs) they're like five guys kicking Scott and he's just like, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm just like, why is this where we draw the gore line? Like, the show is disgusting and like... It is gross, know. and we see nothing. No. Um, We're really veering off. Yeah. Also, you know what really pissed me off about that scene? Speaking what? of anger, was the way that Mr. Harris treated them. They're the only two that get detention. They're the only two that get detention. And he looks at them, he's like, what are you two idiots doing? After watching Scott get kicked, like, while he's down by a bunch of people. Yeah, like, at least five. And then, but, like, later he slightly redeems himself in the way that, like, Scott and Styles like have this mushy moment in detention, and he's like, "Fine, you guys can leave," as if they've learned some lesson. But it was just like, <laughs> "What?" Again, Mr. Harris is the worst version of Snape. Yeah, he's just terrible, just awful. He also just never ended up being a big enough like villain or part of the show to justify how shitty he was. And all of the emphasis that they place. I mean, maybe that actor just looks inherently creepy, but, like, they really set it up for you to think that he is a much bigger part of a nefarious scheme than he ever is. No, he just gets used. Yeah, he just gets sacrificed. <laughs> which is pathetic. Again, so what was... What's the point? What was the point? <sighs> Another teacher exhibits quite a bit of anger in this episode. Coach Finstock. Yeah. Which I thought... That scene was super weird to me. I had teachers yell at me in high school, more so in college, when you like have a, a when you're closer with your professors if you are like are in a small department like we were. But never like that and never in front of a bunch of people. In front of a bunch of people. And it's I think it's pretty clear that he's frustrated by Scott's lack of effort. Because he likes Scott, mm-hmm. and he cares about him, and he wants him to be on the lacrosse team. And that's the best way to show it, I guess. He's For really sure. upset. Yeah, he is. You know, just anecdotally, like, I remember there was a time where I was in rehearsal for a show when I was in school, and one of my professors was... It, it, the rehearsal was not going very well. Everyone was kind of, like, on edge. Um, and... I had done something wrong. Like, I, I was not, I wasn't, I didn't understand what he was trying to ask me to do. Like, I was supposed to jump on something. And at the last minute, I panicked. And, like, instead of jumping on my stomach, I jumped on my knees um, because I didn't want to get hurt. Um, it was like a mat on the floor. I wasn't just, like, slamming my knees into the ground. And he ripped me a new one for, like, not following direction. And it was just one of those things where, like, everybody was pissed off. Everybody was, like, had, like, kind of bubbling anger. And at the end of rehearsal, he pulled me aside and apologized. He sent an email to the cast apologizing for his behavior. He apologized to me the next day. Like, it was something that I was, like, peeved by, but, like, not anything that was, like, unfixable. And I know that he was just kind of doing that to get me out of my comfort zone in a way where I was supposed to be doing something correctly in that rehearsal. And, like, it was both them being angry. And I think there is a part of Coach Finstock's rant that he was like, I also know that you know you can do better. Mm -hmm. And I can't have you... He says, if you get a D, I'll kick, I have to kick you off the team. Like, there was such such strong investment in Scott doing well for both of them in different ways. Like, Coach Finstock is very proud of being the lacrosse coach. He also clearly likes Scott a lot and wants him to do well in school. And then Scott is also frustrated. And I think sometimes that just, like, explodes. Yeah, it was a bit of a powder keg. And 
Especially since, I don't know, Scott had just spent his free period getting, like, smacked by lacrosse balls. True. Um, How, did But Styles kept Coach's phone. He did, but I thought that was weird. I really thought we were going to get a moment. I thought we were going to get a moment where Coach Benstock is like, hey, we have the same phone. Like, I don't <laughs> think he would notice it was no. his, but... Yeah. Or he'd be like, someone took my phone. Or he'd be like, hey, has anybody seen my phone? Yeah. You know? But no. No. That's a really admirable trait for a teacher, not knowing where your phone is during school hours. I don't know. Because you're just not checking it. Oh, yeah. You're dedicated to your students. I feel like most teachers just don't check it because they can't have their kids be like, oh, you're on your phone. Why can't I be on my phone? Exactly. The worst thing, so one of my friends uh, is teaching and I like sent them a text about something I was thinking about writing and they were like, oh, I have to tell you that um, I forgot to turn my message preview off and all of my students just saw what you texted me. I was like, they're not allowed to steal that idea. I was very deeply embarrassed. I was like, I'm never texting you during your class hours again, because I don't trust you. Wait, how did they see it? Was it up on the... It was like a Mac. And oh, on the computer. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. Maybe she should not have iMessages on while she's teaching. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. But it was hilarious. Um, but you know when, when you're in high school and like your teacher pulls their email up and everyone's trying really hard to read real fast to see if they can get any gossip? But it's normally just like staff meeting Monday, 7 a.m. There are donuts in the staff lounge from like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Never got anything good. And there was teacher drama at my high school, but nothing good in the emails. There probably was teacher drama at my high school. I just, and I never knew. There was like some serious scandals. <laughs> I don't know. But also like here, okay, back to the teachers on Teen Wolf. Why did none of them ever get fired? <laughs> The teachers' union man's really strong. Yeah. Not strong enough to get them paid well, but they're not losing their jobs. Yeah, that's part of a... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not to get too political. Um, So back to anger. I also want to talk about Derek in this episode. Who spends the entire time seething? And, like, Derek is an edgelord by all means. He's just angry all the time. But there is something about this where, like, Scott has... it's also like internal frustration where he has no idea what to do with Scott and he is losing his patience. And he also thinks he's running out of time to solve this alpha problem. And so his anger, I think is something very interesting, especially as he aligns it as one of his things that like culminates in his werewolf dumb werewolfhood, werewolfness, whatever you want to say. I think it's all good. Cool. So what do you think about that? Yeah. I wrote a note to myself here where I was asking, like, is Derek trying to protect Scott or does he just not trust him at all? Because Scott tells Derek about the spiral, which is clearly a turning point in Derek's understanding of what they're dealing with. Because as we learn at the end of this episode, the spiral is like... Interesting that he says the word vendetta instead of revenge. I think vendetta is a little fancier. Um... I have a question. Yeah. And I could actually probably save it to questions and observations, but I'm just going to ask you now. Is the spiral a symbol of revenge specific to the Hales? No. Okay. Because in season three, when there's that horrific interaction between Deucalion and Gerard, Mm -hmm. one of Ennis, I think, is the one who draws the spiral on the barn door. Oh. So I think it's just a werewolf thing. Got it. Could be, I don't know, maybe it's like a regional werewolf thing. I don't know if the werewolves on the East Coast have the same vendetta symbol. Do they have like a werewolf like Facebook group? Or <laughs> like... Because they all know all... Well, they all know all these different packs. And yeah. like they're packs of different symbols and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, these people are this. And you see that actually later in like the later seasons when they run into different packs. How, how do they know them? <laughs> Just like generational knowledge? Or yeah. is it like... I think you probably know the clans in your area. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I mean, California's a long, long state. I feel like you don't know everyone. But no, I don't think they do know everybody, but I'm just yeah. saying, how do they know anybody? Because some are, like, packs that migrate. Yeah. Like wolves, too. I also would really love to know, and this is something that doesn't really get talked about a lot in, like, supernatural media, but I'd love to know, like, the numbers of werewolves. Yeah, what's like, our population yeah. like, percentage? Or like in Twilight when 
like, how many vampires are there in the world? Because the Volturi clearly, like, keeps a very close eye mm-hmm. on it. So I, I just, I want to know. I want some, st- I want some census data. Do you want a werewolf census? Yes, I do. <laughs> um... This was about Derek's anger. This was about Derek's anger. Uh, he he doesn't have an outlet. No. At all. And all, there's a moment where he is talking to Peter and he's like, I'm out of time. He doesn't have a job. All he does all day is do push-ups. He has every, all the time in the world. He could literally sit there for hours. But when you are stressed and like you, you know, you know when you're like worried about being late. So like, even though you have all this time, you're like, but if I don't do this in the next five minutes or blah, 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 and if the bus is late by this amount, you just go crazy. And like. I think that's how Derek is where he, like, doesn't know when something's going to happen next, so he doesn't have, like, an actual time frame to give himself, so he's just sitting around stewing in his own anxiety, which is then culminating into, like, the anger he feels for the people around him, who, one, he probably feels are not being very helpful, which, like, he obviously can't get help. I mean, Peter will get there. (laughs) Um, And he needs Scott to be more ready than he is, but doesn't know how to make Scott any more ready. Yeah. He, you know, this is kind of a question that I have about Derek is why doesn't he leave? What is it about? I mean, I think this is your home, you know, but he left and then he came back only because he was looking for Laura. But now there's, well, I think he one feels in part they, some responsibility for Scott. He probably feels responsibility for Scott. I'm sure he wants to get, have his vendetta for the death of his sister. But at the same time, if you're that freaked out and you can't deal but I think he, he knows that the other option is citizens dying. Like, I don't think Derek is that evil or selfish. The Alva has already killed citizens of Beacon Hills. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to get a reading on Derek's moral code. But I, do, I, I do not think that Derek is a good guy. No. Do not think he's, like, cool. If he knows what's up, I don't think he's cool with, like, walking, like, you know, leaving Beacon Hills behind and knowing that, like... The town is going to be immense danger. Which brings us to Derek's interactions with Dr. Jean in this episode, because you see a lot of anger there. Um, misdirected. And it's another one of those things where Derek comes in gun, guns blazing and like... For could, no reason. Could, also, wouldn't he be able to smell if Deaton was a werewolf? And why does Deaton pretend not to know who Derek is? It makes no sense. Not a lick. Especially because he seemed, he's, like, so loyal to the Hale family and to Talia in later seasons. Look, this is just an example of writers not plotting out their mythology and what they want to do, and it makes me so angry. Yeah. And again, I am somebody who can forgive plot holes, but, like, when you know the whole mythology of a show, like, it sometimes gets harder where you're like, hey, but that doesn't make sense compared to this and this and this. But again, like... It snowed in Beacon Hills in this episode, so, like, clearly there's a big jump from there to season three when there's palm trees, so. Yeah, and the other thing about that is that, like, if you're gonna have Dr. Deaton, who this entire season up to now is being coded as knowing more than he says, why do you not know what he knows? Yeah. And then why doesn't he say anything to Derek? He le- he just lets Derek beat the shit out of him. Yeah. For no reason. And then offers him drugs, which is like... Yeah. Kind of the last thing you want to be offering Derek Hale. At yeah. The also, animal drugs? Uh, like, that's... Most of them are the same. Like, yeah. Like, dog Valium is the same, and, like, dog Prozac is the same. So, like, if you would want to chill out, they're the same. I don't know what you do about, like, <laughs> uppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Well, at the end of this episode, it's implied that Deaton is the alpha. It is, yeah. Because... Which I don't think I bought even at the time. Oh, I totally did. I'm really sorry. Please make more noise. <laughs> anyway. I just... It was... Again, another one of those instances where, I, where Derek is so, like, you know, at the end of his rope that he can't even process how to accomplish tasks the right way. It's hard to track his motivation. Yeah. Like, obviously his through line motivation is that he wants to stop the alpha, but it's really, maybe it's not his motivation. It's like, it's hard to follow the logical progression of his steps. Yeah. To the point where you're just like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. 
what, what? Stop it. <laughs> no. Um, um, you know, it's funny because the last person who was victim of Derek's sort of um, shenanigans was Jackson. Who is deeply messed up right now. I want to talk about Jackson in this episode. First, the like exhaustion makeup they put on him looks Fake as hell. I literally, so when I looked at the IMDb to see who wrote and directed this episode, apparently, according to IMDb, apparently the makeup was not enough. So part of that is CGI. But it looked bad. CGI is not always good. True. Uh, yeah, it looks terrible. Yeah, it looks really bad. To the point where I don't buy that he could even be at school. His parents would be like, whoa, buddy, we gotta get you to the hospital. Yeah, you look like you are dying. Yeah, and they, and Scott says he smells like death. Um, and then he pulls off the bandage and it's pussy, so like that would smell like death anyway. Um, Which is disgusting. This is also... So how did he never get that looked at? Or he does get it looked at later. Yeah. Um, Foreshadowing to... A very similar scene in season two with Jackson. Like, the parallels with the mirror scenes, I think, mm-hmm. is really interesting. Also, that scene is disgusting with the fingers coming out of his mouth. You know what it reminded me of? And this is, like, a kind of common, like, horror conceit. So, like, this could remind you of anything. But in The Ring, when, like, the main girl, like, first starts getting haunted, she pulls, like medi- like, a medical wire out of her mouth, like that she's choking on, and I thought it looked a lot like that. So I think that is disgusting, but it's also, like, kind of common horror aspect. Oh, yeah, to have something foreign in your body that you can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, Which terrifying. is kind of Jackson's whole ish, actually. Yeah. For the for the whole time he's on the show. Yeah. Um, that poor son of a bitch. Let's talk about his thing with Allison. It is so strange. It is so strange, and it feels unmotivated by Jackson's actual like interests and stuff like I think Jackson is so cool for school he probably wouldn't really care if Scott and Allison doesn't like him and I almost wonder if it is something about like the poisoning that is clearly happening to his body that was like I don't know pushing him to manipulate her in that way like not that I'm trying to defend manipulative men like no they can you know eat my shorts but it just felt so out of character for Jackson to even bother you know it does feel really out of character I think that that scene is really interesting. I think the dialogue is really good, and Mm -hmm. I think that the way that it's shot and composed, and it's clearly just the two of them, and it's almost, like, claustrophobic in a way. Yeah. Um, But thinking about Jackson's motivation to go and sit with her, my immediate thought is that he finds Allison a much softer, more sympathetic girl than Lydia Mm-hmm. And he feels terrible. Like, he literally, he probably feels like he's dying. And yeah. he wants someone to notice that. And I think, in his mind, maybe Allison would notice that. And that continues a little bit throughout the rest of the season, where Jackson's kind of, like, trying to make a move on Allison. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, later, later at some point, Lydia makes out with Scott. Yeah. Because they're just doing that thing. Yeah. Um, it is just, it feels really out of place. In the episode? But not in a way that I think dis- is a disservice to the episode. No. I think it's a really interesting It's scene. very compelling. What, what does she say to him where she's like, I think you are serious. I just don't think you're sincere. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good comment on especially people like Jackson. Well, and it's almost a little bit like when somebody sits next to you on public transit and there's empty seats. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. That's what it looks like. And you know what I wrote down about Allison, though, is that she is so tremendously naive in so many ways, but she also is very shrewd mm-hmm. in a lot of other ways. Do you want to give me an example? Like, she's very suspicious of Jackson and very wary of the way that he's interacting with her when even through all of the bad makeup and CGI, it's still Colton Haynes being, like, his weirdly charming self. And, like, I don't think she knows the extent to which he is mean and evil to Scott. No. So, I don't know how much of a reason she has to be that suspicious of Jackson, but, like, her hackles are up. And then around her... her Why did I just say sister? Um, around, around Kate, a literal evil woman. <laughs> Nothing. And I understand that they're family, but, like, she doesn't... 
act on her suspicions about her dad or Kate. No, but we talked about later. we talked about that in the episode on denial, where like Chris also knows she's evil and doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, and but on him, I don't think that that's naivete. No, on on Allison, I think it is a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't want to see evil in somebody who I consider a sister either. I would force no. that thought away. But also. I don't know, maybe it's just the way that we perceive her because she has no idea the greater story that's going on and so mm-hmm. that is perceived as naivete just because she just doesn't know. Yeah. But I thought that was such an interesting moment between the two actors and the characters. Yeah. Allison had an, a kind of interesting solo arc in this episode, which was cool because we're starting to see Allison, who Allison is as a person away from Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see like she's got that line about like being an angry teenager and like kind of a, a cute little quip with Kate at the beginning. Um, she's writing PETA about her dad shooting a mountain lion, which I think is so. Funny. I can never tell if that's a joke because if it is, it's really funny. But if it's not, you. <laughs> PETA yeah, sucks. PETA is the worst. Did we know that in two thousand eleven? Maybe not. No. Or we did, but weren't. <laughs> If, if it's not a joke, she is to be forgiven because it was 2011. Yeah. Um, but she's also a little bit, like, less kind of forgiving of people in her space. In this episode, like, she tells Kate to get out of her room. And Kate doesn't because she's the worst. She's the worst. I mean, just... I don't even want to be in people's space when they don't want me in their space. Not that anybody would ever not want me in their space. But, you know, like, it's weird that Kate is like, well, let me... Like, Kate has all the time in the world to be like, let's talk about our family history. And instead she just barges in and, like, oh, so weird. It just felt... I think she's frustrated that Allison hasn't gone down the, ro- the road with her necklace yet. Yeah. I think she wants to jumpstart yeah. that exploration. Love that Scott is in the closet during this. It's so classic teen tropey. There was a moment when... I forget what Allison said, but it... Flashes to Scott in the closet, and he's, like, nodding with a really doofy smile. And it's just like, you were such an idiot. She says it in long lines of, like, oh, I would, like, just want to get this done and, you know, get my homework done. And, like, mm-hmm. leave, basically. Yeah. And Scott's like, yeah, get her out of here. Which is like, yeah. Yeah. Me too. She sucks. Leave Kate. And then uh, once Allison does kind of start going on this journey through her family history, which is, like... People in shows always have, like, detailed family history that, like, affected society in some way. And I'm like, I wish that were... I mean, I actually don't because they... I don't want to know bad things about my ancestors. It's super unrelatable, though. Yeah, it's just like... I'm pretty sure most people are like, my last name was made up because they messed it up on Alice Island, so I have no idea or whatever. This is... This or is the alternative is very sad and you were brought... Your ancestors were brought here against their will. <laughs> This is like the Teen Wolf version of a secret princess. Yes. Like, yes, it is. I was a princess my whole life. I just didn't know it. Like, I was... Grandma, <laughs> it's me. Anastasia. Yeah. yeah. She's part of this elite, like, werewolf hunting family. And she didn't know. And she still doesn't know in this episode. Yeah. Um, she's also weirdly fascinated by the Beast of Chavitant, which is an actual, like... I'm not going to call it a myth because it happened in like the 1400s or whatever. Or maybe later than that. <laughs> okay, you can Google it. I'm pretty sure it happens in the 1700s yep. per Teen Wolf. Well, I was trying to think of um, how many Louis it was that she referenced. I don't know. France, get a new name. Um, but what's interesting is it's something that deeply compels her. And when she tries to share this... 1764. I think she literally says that in the episode. And you said 1400s. I did. All right. Okay. We'll shame that for you. We'll shame you for that on Twitter later. So what's interesting to me about Allison in this episode and her interest in the Beast and like her family history or whatever is how she's clearly excited by it and how uh, all of her friends do not give a shit. Like at all. I, you know, when your friends are like get really interested in something or like hyper focus on something for a while. Even if you don't understand it, you're usually pretty supportive. And yes. Lydia could not have been more rude. And I have a quick question for you. Do we think Lydia actually doesn't care that Allison is saying this to her? Because she doesn't even react until she sees the picture and realizes it's what she saw the night that Jackson mm-hmm. was attacked. Or is this part of her, like, too cool for school, like, dumb girl routine? 
Which would be weird to carry on because Allison already knows that she's smart. Allison already knows that she's smart. And I feel like what we know about Lydia is that she's really into math. And at one point she's like, I got bored with classical Latin or whatever. And I started reading archaic Latin, which has like clear accomplishables. You're either fluent in something or you're not. And you can become fluent in something and you can get better at math incrementally in ways that you can see. But history isn't that kind of subject. Like, you can read a lot, but people have different analyses about what's happened in history and the effects of it, and, like, there's so much of it. It's not, like... I don't want to say there's finite math, because there's not finite math. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not the same kind of analytical... But not being interested in history is not worth being rude to your friend. No, but that's just Lydia. Also not an excuse, but I think... There are some people in this world who can get away with being just kind of mean. And Lydia Martin, unfortunately, is one of them. All right. I was just a little bit like, let the girls be nice to each other. (laughs) I wish. Yeah. All right. So uh, do you have any more comments on, like, the anger scene in this episode? Anything we haven't, anybody we haven't really covered? Um, no, I think Dr. Deaton is surprisingly not angry. I'd be really pissed if somebody came in and beat the shit out of me at my place of work. Yeah, exactly. He's just... Really Although, depending how de- bad my day was, maybe not. <laughs> I'd be like, does this mean I get to go home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. It, he was remarkably calm about the whole thing. Um, but also confusing in his behavior, because I was like... Dude. Dude, you know so much. Yeah. Very odd. Um, would you like to move into our questions and observations? Sounds good to me. Time where we can question and observe. Yeah, what are your questions for this episode? Okay, so I already asked my thing about the, the spiral. And we talked a little bit about, about Jackson and Allison. No, but Jackson and Allison. Um, and my question to you is why you kind of said it's because Jackson is looking for someone to hold his hand a little bit. But the conversation is so manipulative, and I just kind of want to know what you think he's going to get out of it. Is it a way to get closer to Scott to understand what he's doing? Like, what is it? I I think that that could be it. Um, But also, when he goes into that whole speech about someone came in and took all my glory, essentially, um, I think... Hmm. I think Jackson fears losing followers mm-hmm. and perhaps he viewed Allison as one of them or a potential follower, like a potential part of his clique. Yeah. I mean like <laughs> King and King and Queen Jackson and Lydia. Yeah. It's them, but with subjects. With subjects. So that could be part of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe he thinks that he can get her to do things for him. Like spy on Scott. Yeah, I think that's probably the most blatantly obvious answer to that question. But it's just so weird. It's just so It's just weird. yikey. Yeah. And their whole kind of thing, it gets, like, less uncomfortable. Like, when they kind of have their swimming pool date, which is weird. Were you allowed to just swim in your school's pool? No. Well, yeah. first of all, my school didn't have one, so... Oh. Yeah. No, well, I think they would sometimes do, like, silly free swims or whatever for things, but, like... If you weren't on the swim team or doing synchro, you were not in the pool <laughs> in my high school. I believe you. I so I'm just going to like, why were they allowed to just go swimming? Yeah. I mean, like, I would love that. I would have loved that to just like go and swim with my friends. Um, not that that's about this episode. I just am always just like, oh, why did my high school do that? Um, but their, their relationship gets less creepy, I think. It turns into something that could possibly be recognized as friendship. Yeah. But not quite. No. I don't think Jackson can really do that with more than one person at a time. And her name is Lydia Martin. And later, his, his name is Ethan. Ha, huh, Ethan. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I do think that Jackson can only trust so... Can only really trust so few people. And I actually think that that's represented later in season two, that, like, the Canima seeks a master. It's like he... The Canima only sees one person as, like, its guiding force. And I think that is... Interesting to set Jackson up in that way early and then have that be part of his oeuvre, yeah. if you will. Um, and then my other question was just, why did Deaton say anything to Derek being like, hey, I knew your mom? 
Not like that. Don't worry. But like, please don't beat me up. That was my main question for this episode as well. Just because uh, it would have saved him a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Because if he was like, I'm a druid, it would be like, all right, cool. Not a werewolf. Cool. Got it. Why? Just like, Derek doesn't even bother to smell him. Yeah. And then he's like unconscious. He can't stop himself from healing. Mm-hmm. He's visibly not healing. healing. And then I also have another question. And this is like a plot point that maybe I just missed. Why does Scott summon the Alpha to the school? I don't know. I just... I don't know. I don't know either. Was it to get him in a position where, like, him and Derek could fight it? Like... I guess. Well, he says to Derek, you say that I'm connected to the Alpha. I want to see if you're right. But I think that that's been proven, so yeah. I'm not really sure what the, the Alpha was already like is. writing you love notes on your car window. So yeah, like yeah. Also, was it Peter who left the veterinary report on Derek's window? Did he get his nurse to do that? Probably the nurse. Oh, okay, she's much less conspicuous. Yeah. Um. We're now in the point of Teen Wolf. We're like, does it make sense? No. No. Are we gonna keep watching? Yeah. Are we having a great time? A grand old time. Absolutely. Yeah. Those reminded my questions. They were, I think, simple, but also just because the plot didn't make any sense. No. We didn't have to ask any big, like, moral, like, conundrums. Yeah. This isn't so much of a question as, like, a ponderance. We're, like... But is this where we're starting your question section? Yeah. Unless you're not done. No, I'm done. Okay. This is more of like a a what if situation. So like Scott needs to stay away from Allison. Mm Mm-hmm. Could he have come up with a lie that would have plausibly explained his actions to tell Allison? Because he's just acting like a weirdo. And then he's like, I can't study with you because I'll bring your grade down. Like Scott is missing. The number one trick I used my whole life until I moved out of my parents' house to not hang out with people, which is just that my mom said no. My mom never said no, but my friends think she did a lot. Oh, I literally to this day, I li- we live in our own apartment and I'm like, you know, my mom really would be cool with that. Like, <laughs> I'm an adult woman I'm in my 20s and I'm still like, it's a family thing. Like, like it is. Yeah, my mom wouldn't be into that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Like, why, like, every person I know has used that at some point to defend themselves it's from an so unwanted situation. Easy. Yeah. It's so complicated. Because it just, it's another one of those, conf- like, unnecessary conflicts in the show. Yes. Um, also, why is Scott so bad at lying? Scott is so terrible. Is that part of his, like, moral goodness that he can't, like... Possibly. Maybe. Um, that, yeah, we, we really covered a lot of my questions during the discussion. Because, again, like, this, I was massively entertained this whole episode. It was super funny. It was really funny. I thought it was paced well. It just didn't make any sense. Nope. Um, then we want to move into observations. Yeah. My first one is just that Scott's resting heart rate when Styles starts hitting him with the balls was 115. I also wrote that down. <laughs> if you're a Scott's age and you're in really good shape, your resting heart rate should be between 60 and 70 beats per minute. I was just like, oh my god. Was he just already just angry? Blood pressure? Like, what? I don't know. Maybe, but does your heart beat faster when you're a werewolf? That wouldn't make Maybe. sense because your heart beats slower when you're a dog. So. <laughs> but I was like, 115, Jesus. Someone get the different. I mean, that's obviously not that high. Your heart rate can be anywhere between like literally 60 and like 180. Like, yeah. But 115 is your, is your starting point is like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, and like in the classroom, it starts ticking up past like 130. And I'm like, is, is 130 his resting heart rate? What's happening? But later his resting heart rate is like 60 or something like that. And so I'm like. So what is the truth? What is the truth? Did anyone care? <laughs> no one cared. Like, that was obviously a government oversight. <laughs> Once I was in a Starbucks at four in the morning because I was like on the way to something and it was like the f- right as it opened and my order came out to like three ninety nine and the, the barista who was the only person there was this old hippie in a bolo tie and he gave me my penny back and he was like, a penny saved is a government oversight. <laughs> and I think about that. 
day. <laughs> That's hysterical. And anytime my change comes out to just a penny, I'm like, government oversight. Pennies are a government oversight, to be quite honest. They Um, are. Um, So just, that was my first observation. My second was about the hand coming out of Jackson's mouth, which was just so gross. So gross. And later, and it kind of goes back to later when they pull the, I think he pulls Wolfsbane petals when the doctor's, he's got like a Mm -hmm. dream or something. Very horror classic. Yeah. I like love that stuff. Classic. Um, and then just that it was snowing. I missed that. I clearly was not. <laughs> it's snowing attention. when ja- when uh, Derek leaves Peter's like home facility place. Can you see that through the window, or is like when he's walking? He's out? outside and he's sitting on his car and it is snowing. All right, I gotta. I gotta go back. To Which like it doesn't really matter that it's snowing if it weren't. Supposed Even to be California. California. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the mountains. But they're not. But they're not. So. But yeah. it's like, I remember there used to be like, because a lot of the, like, a lot of the CW shows are filmed in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I remember there being like an episode of Supernatural or something that was take, took place in Alabama and it snowed through the whole thing. Like sometimes your shooting schedule just doesn't line up with the episode you're doing. And there's. So Psych is set in Santa Barbara, but it films in Vancouver, and every time they walk on the beach, I'm like, I've been to every single goddamn beach in Santa Barbara, and you can't even try to make it look like you are in Santa Barbara. No. It's so annoying. I forgive it because I love Psych, but... Oh, I mean, like, I think yeah. loving any show is a lot of forgiving it, which is how mm-hmm. we feel... About Teen Wolf. About Teen Wolf. Um, those are my only observations. Um... Two, my two, two, my, my two, my two observations. Okay. I'm having a really hard time. When Derek comes into the parking lot and is like, I said I was going to teach you, but I didn't say when. That is peak big brother attitude. Like a big brother in the like government. No, but as in like, I am your older brother. Oh, totally. And I was like, oh, look at this relationship developing. Also, how scary it is when the milk rolls back and it's clawed because you totally think it's the alpha at first. Yeah. It's really creepy. Also, I love that it's just this very small bottle of milk. There's only two of them. Yeah. But you can get like the... Anyway. Um, And then there's a moment in Coach Finstock's like rant Mm -hmm. where he's asking Scott if he knows what sarcasm is. And Scott turns around to look at Styles, and Styles just gives him this, like, thumbs up and a smile because that's Styles' main way of communicating. He's like, yes, I know very well what what sarcasm is. is. It was just such a good... This was a really good Scott Styles episode, um, and that was just, like, the cherry on top of it for me. Oh, my God. Oh, people well. are really angry. Oh, you weren't home last night, but there was a concert and it got out and people were just like yelling in the street. I was trying to sleep. It was terrible. I don't feel bad for you. They were having a good time. <laughs> they were having a good time, but it was obnoxious. Was that the end of your observations? Yeah. I know about Coach Finstock. I like how we prove Coach Finstock's like value as like an educator and not such a crazy person who coaches lacrosse. Yeah. Like, he's not just, like, the coach of the lacrosse team or whatever. No, he, like, he has a that, function. He has a function and stuff. And, like, clearly cares about Scott. In a way that is self-serving, but also, like, later, co- like, later he comes back and he's, like, a hero in a bunch of weird different ways. Yeah, the the episode where it's his birthday really gets me. <laughs> oh, God, guys, season three. is a lot. We have to get through the rest of this in season two first, but always oh, still. Three. Um, was that the last of it? That was the last of my observation. I think, hold on, let me turn the page on my notebook and make sure. Um, I already said my thing about how Derek doesn't do anything all day. <laughs> Get a job. Get a job. Oh, this is the first of many injuries that should end Derek Hale's life and don't. No, he gets impaled. He gets He's impaled. like Olaf from Frozen. Oh, look at that. I've been impaled. <laughs> Literally. And then, not only does he get impaled, but then, like, thrown at an incredibly high speed at a wall. Like, a brick wall. And just falls down and looks incredibly dead, but is not dead. He's a werewolf. Um, it happens a lot. My sister's calling. I'm gonna decline. Which one? Madison. Okay. Quinn only calls me when she's driving home from work, and then she's always like, can we talk for a second? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, wait, shit, I'm driving west down Sunset. I gotta go. I can't see anything. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Every conversation. Ah, oh, God, I'm driving west on sunset. Like, because she just lives in LA, so she's just blinded by the sun always. That's the worst part about driving. You're like, I might crash into this car in front of me because I'm driving west and the sun is in my eyeballs. Yes. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, we were saying about Derek. Oh, almost dying? Yeah. He almost dies a lot. And, and, when he almost dies to the point in season three when we think Derek might actually die, it's so not as bad as, like, being impaled and then thrown against a wall. I... Wait, isn't that when he gets into his entire body, like, scratched open? But it's like... And he has that weird, very bloody sex scene with Jennifer. Yes, but it's not like... Ew. Like the alphas... Imagine how sticky. <laughs> I'm literally looking at my hands right now and ignoring what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think about how big the alphas' claws are. Because it's honestly... Derek gets like... His the fact that he's caved his, out. Yeah. The fact that his claws can go entirely through Derek's torso is... Crazy. Yes. As we know, Tyler Hecklin is like a real thick bit. He like is. is it is wild. He's right. thick. And also the other thing about this show is that the proportions in the alpha change a lot. Like he's sometimes much bigger than you think he is, and then much smaller than you think he is. Oh, also my last observation. Okay, is when, so we are not done with observations. <laughs> no, I'm clearly. sorry. Um I forgot to write this down. But when Scott leaves Allison's house and he like hears the rustling in the trees and runs across the street to his car. There is absolutely no way that he ran faster than the alpha can run and gets into his car on time. Like, you know how when you watch movies and people are underwater and you also hold your breath to see how long they're underwater and if it's actually feasible? There's no way. <sighs> no, I gotcha. The only thing, the thing about that scene is it always like Psychs me out because I always, always, always think it's going to be one of the situations where the protagonist runs away and then it's a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then it never is. And I'm like, oh, that could have been so funny. It could have been great, but it was not. Yeah. Do you have an alpha of the week? <gasps> Pack stats! Pack stats. Oh my gosh. I, I jumped the gun. I got really excited to talk about I don't actually have not picked yet. That's going to be a game time decision of my alpha of the week. But we, we can to. cover pack stats first. So, I had... One shirt off. Mm-hmm. Jackson. Jackson. Oh, two shirts off then. Wait, who is it? Scott. Allison takes her shirt off at the beginning yes. of the episode. So two, so two shirts off. Jackson I didn't Scott. Scott Jackson. Okay. Okay, so Jackson and Scott with two shirts off. Between the two of us, we're bound to figure it out. Yes. I had only two claws. Yeah. But they happen, like, when Scott grabs Derek and is like, I'm the captain now, but Derek's <laughs> claws are also out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I only had two claws and then three instances of glowing eyes. And then you had an ad, didn't you? There, um, the Blackberry shows up again. Yeah. When Derek's like, women make you weak. When Styles is like, that's like Spartan warrior shit, I was like, thank you for being a feminist icon, Styles. Thank you for saying exactly what I was thinking. I was just kind of like, oh, that's so like incelly. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Um, so our back sets weren't totally packed today, if you will. But that's fine, because the episode didn't even really lend itself to any of the classics. No. It was almost like, it was kind of like a, it wasn't a very action-oriented episode. It's a lot of exposition. Which is fine about talky. Yeah, Yeah. I liked it. I liked it too. Um, So, Alpha of the Week. Who's your Alpha of the Week? Uh, My Alpha of the Week is Styles, And I feel like it's it's hard to pick, because he is such a big part of this episode. And he's the one who figures out... He's the one who figures out the key that yeah. Allison is Scott's anger. Yeah. And I think just the most noble thing about it is even though he has been treated very poorly by Scott for the last couple of days, episodes, I don't know how long time goes in Beacon Hills, he still sits there and is like, I'm going to be the one to help you do this because I'm your best friend and I love you, you know? Yeah. Our friendship. And he's also very clever and like thinks about it in a very strategic and scientific way where he's like... If it's anger, it's going to be about your heartbeat and, like, let's get a heart monitor on you and, like, figure out how to do it this way. And he also kind of gets his comeuppance, but, like, not in a way where Scott ever gets too hurt, so fine by me. I love it. I do, too. I love all their interactions this episode, and I love Styles. I, yes. Yeah. I, I know we don't need to say we that We don't need anymore, to say that. I just, like, but, I mean, like, and I also don't even think that this would necessarily behoove the character, but Styles could be the main character of the show, and I'd be totally happy. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But I think everyone loves Scott too, but like there is something about Styles. I was like, yes. We want you to succeed. We want you to succeed. Yeah. But not when you're evil. Uh, even then. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so, I think that about wraps it up, right? Yeah. Um, if you haven't checked out our bonus episode, we reviewed Twilight, which we had a great time. We did. I think we're probably going to do a um, higher caliber movie on our next bonus episode. Um, and we've got some Halloween fun stuff planned for the coming coming days. If you guys want to follow along with that stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at TeamWolf underscore ReWolf. That is also our Instagram, which we're starting to post a little bit more on. So if you're on the gram, you can hit us up. From there, you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams. Um, if you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be immensely helpful. It's how we reach new viewers, viewers, listeners. We're never going to get over this. I never, ever get it right. Anyway, please leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter if you ever have questions or observations you want to give or just want to talk because we like hanging out with people. We love that. We do. Um, Other than that, have a wolf of a week. Bye.